Welcome back to the Any Given Thursday podcast. Uh, we're through the round of 24 slash the whatever. I like to call it the knockout playoff. The knockout playoff. It's they need, a, they need a better name for this. Yeah, the Copa. Um, maybe, why not just round of 24? I know it sounds lame. It does sound kind of lame. But it was what it is. There's 24 teams. Yeah, and you already have a playoff round right before the group stages. Right, the round so you can't just stages. say the playoff round. Yeah. They need to think, they need to fix this. Well, I don't know if, is this even going to be a thing next year when they change the format? Yes. Because okay. the top eight teams will get a bye next year. Right. And then the 16 teams after that will be in this round. So it's pretty much the same. But but instead of... There's no dropping. From... No drop down. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So... I like the drop down. Yeah. So this year is going to be weird. Second place in the group stage and third place in the Champions League. Yeah. Next year, like it's that. going to be second and third place in the group stage. will be in this round with the second place team seated playing a team from the third mm. group. From the third that finished third in the group stage mm-hmm. and so how many teams get through. well looking at the so, europa league here how many teams that dropped down from the champions league actually went through here? oh max i had these stats prepared yeah let's it was them. only two of them yeah right so i like but, this i like this but aspect at the of conference it. league uh-huh seven of the teams that dropped down from the oh europa interesting league through yeah we'll talk in depth should about have the only, only been one that didn't <laughs> should have been six should have been six we'll get to uh, that uh, but I think we have to start with the Europa League, right? I think so. Uh, why don't we start right at the top here? Uh, Freiburg, three. Lons, two. Freiburg advancing um, at home, three to two, as the first tie ended nil-nil. Um, and this was this was a great atmosphere. Um, and, uh, yeah, Freiburg probably should have won the first leg. Probably. They had the better of the chances. Um, Lons maybe had the benefit of being the home side there, squeezing through. Um, So, you know, you have to consider Freiburg favorites going into this. But it was actually uh, Lons that got off to the start they were hoping for. Um, Atubolo. Oh, sorry. The young Atubolo, the keeper for Freiburg. I think he's 21? Yeah. 21. He's 21. 21 German uh, young international. Um, He spills... Um, an effort uh, that falls right to uh, right to Costa, who finishes. It's a pretty big mistake. Um, yeah, he just kind of can't. It seems like he can't make up his mind whether to punch or catch. He should just catch it. There's nobody around him. I, I he just fumbles it straight to Costa. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's Doesn't totally totally unforced error. Uh, and then Lons go up two nil just before the break. Um, it's Ellie Wai, um, who's another young guy. Um. I think he's 21 too a lot of young people in the europa league yeah. um they spent a lot of money and uh he gets behind time. he gets in behind the freiburg defense after a mistake it's this time it's a misjudgment on the flight of a ball from the center back golda um it's kind of not in a place of danger like he pro- either he's got to either challenge that more confidently and win it or just keep Wai in front um yeah. but he uh not really sure what he's doing but it ends up uh falling through to wahi who's an on goal who makes a little silky shipped finish um, so Freiburg down 2-0 to Lons after two very preventable goals. Um, pretty big errors, actually. Um, but uh they don't hang their heads, David. Uh after the break, you know, they make a couple of changes. Christian Strike brings on Gregorich, which I don't know why wasn't he starting to begin with. Uh I guess just rotation, maybe they have a decent amount of depth up front, so maybe they, they thought do. they could get away with So actually him. interesting thing about that is they don't sub him like for like with one either attacker. Uh they leave him on for a front three, take off uh take off the uh left back Makengo, 
And I think shift to a three, four, three. I definitely think it was shift um, to a three. And um, it was Weishaupt came on as well at the half, correct? Yes. Yeah, for for the center, one of the center backs. I guess yeah. I assume that's just like a back three. Yeah, I think it was that was changing. Left sided center back in the three rather a than a two. A little faster, can cover the wide areas a little better. Mm-hmm. He was really good when he came on. Yeah. Too, so. so that ends up with three, four, three ends up with uh, a lot of attacking bodies. Mm-hmm. Grigoric, uh, Shalai, Shala. I don't know how to pronounce that. Salai. Salah. I think Salai. Salai. Uh, and uh, Huler. Um, What's interesting is that all three... Plus Juan on the right flank, yeah. who's very attacking-minded uh, wingback. All three of those players are very central-oriented. Yeah, that's why it was interesting. Was interesting. And it yeah, because they started with Salai and Huler is in a front two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe Gregorich was like slightly behind them, playing like a deeper... Yeah, holding I mean, I think striker that's, sort that's of what thing. What it looked like, but it was still um, it was an interesting move yeah. to go with with three guys who are very central focused. Typically, play as the focus mm-hmm. of your attack, and it worked. Like they were they able work. to play off each other well. Polair made use of some long balls too a lot. Yeah, opened up space. It was good, but uh, they made. Like, I think they made use of some of the some you know a little more hoof in it, not hoof in it, but targeted uh, deep balls, balls yeah. for hold up play. Um, but yeah, they had high energy. After the restart, um, they look like they're pressing a lot more confidently. Um, but Lons really just needs to manage the game, not make errors, um, which worked for a while. Um, until the 67th minute, um, off a deep free kick delivery from Duan. It's a really good ball. Mm-hmm. Um, like the most difficult type of free kick to deliver from that position where it's curling to the back post um, around the six-yard box. It bounces around before Salai stabs it home. Um, although almost a brilliant save um to keep it out from from Samba, but yeah. not quite. Um, and there I want to give it to Samba a little bit of love because he was really good today, I felt. Um he just he made a save right after a cooler that was really unbelievable. Um, but it is pretty much all Freiburg at this point. Um another good Samba save pushes pushes a Gregorich chance over the bar. Um, and then Lons have a huge counter opportunity late with a few minutes left of regular time to seal it. They end up with like a 5v3 in the box, but Adubulo makes up for his mistake earlier with a game-saving save. Um, with just three minutes to go, it was not enough for Lons to hold on. 92nd minute, floated ball um, from the wing, headed into the box, laid back off from Salai to Gregorich. Gregorich tries to play to cross goal. Duan has an attempt blocked and then falls yeah. to Salai, who... Scores on a deflected shot. Absolute scenes in the Black Forest. Uh, strike. Do you see Strike celebrating? Yeah. Strike, it, when it goes in, Strike is just like no reaction. Stone cold. And then after like a few seconds, he goes like. Grah, grah, grah. He does a very German thing. Uh, he's one of my favorite coaches in Europe. He's a very fun guy to watch on the mm-hmm. sidelines too. Uh, do you want to say one of the substitutions he made shortly before the goal? He brought on Grifo for Rula. Yeah, and that's another in the past couple of years been one of their best players. That's another very um, attacking move. I mean, Rula is mm-hmm. a midfielder, plays a wide midfielder, but like kind of a true left midfielder in like the old mm-hmm. 442 sense, whereas Grifo is a winger. Yeah. Like this is essentially playing with a front five yeah. at this point. Yeah. Uh and you know, the goal itself is kind of harsh on Lons, but you can't deny that Freiburg deserve to level at the very least to be level through the two legs at this point like it would have been harsh on them to go out i think at that point um and uh actually gregorich 
basically has a free header off a corner at the end of added time to win it too. Mm-hmm. But he puts it over off the bounce. That would have been something. Um, yeah. But and it's really like there's no reason for him not to put that on goal and te- and and test Samba there. Um, so he'll have feeling you know he was on the turf for a while after that before as the whistle blows for, uh, regulation. But fortunately for him, he makes up for it just like nine minutes of game time later. Um, and this is kind of the like more root one stuff we were talking about. Um, and it's a deep ball uh, put up to the front three. Holler wins it on the first header. Then Gregorich wins a second header. And the ball looks like it's falling to their their third striker, Salai. But he and the defensor cancel each other out. And for some reason, nobody else is there to protect the ball for Lons. Gregorich reemerges, takes it around the keeper and scores. Very old school uh, League One type of goal um, that you love to see. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this it, it it worked that direct shit. Yeah, and Long had a few chances in the second half of extra time, but none that they ran out of energy. Yeah, they gave so much to defending the lead. Yeah, none um, that really posed like a huge threat. It yeah. never. It's the most dangerous lead. Yeah, two goal lead, most yeah, dangerous yeah. lead in sports. But um, yeah, so Long Freiburg managed the comeback. It was great scenes. The fans were yeah incredible from both sides. The Long away support mm-hmm. was great as well really added to the atmosphere it felt like a big game and it yeah definitely delivered and they probably it it's definitely cruel on lawns to to get that close just mm-hmm. three minutes from moving on yeah. um but but freiburg were probably the uh the better of the two for creation over the two legs um yeah, i i think so yeah freiburg will feel they deserve to go through it's hard to argue i think they're right that they didn't uh long will feel It'll be it was a missed right. opportunity, though. Mm-hmm. You know, they definitely had a You think they just ran out of gas and extra time? Yeah, they didn't. Like it. Yeah. Um, they have a chance to be back here next year. They're currently sixth in league off, so they'll yeah. definitely be right back. And good value for it. Fun team to watch. They had nice away kits today. I like yeah. them. Hopefully, they can it's not all bad for them. And it was, it was a tough year for them because they got off to a bad start when yeah. they lost a lot of key players from last mm-hmm. year's second place team. And Yeah, so many. Yeah. Um, Anyway, let's move on to uh, Ren 3-2 AC Milan, sending Milan through 5-3 on aggregate. Um, And I'd say this was a bit of a strange game in that, I mean, Ren had a steep hill to climb. Mm -hmm. Um, I just now put together that half of the games in the Europa League round of 24 featured French teams. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I just now Uh, put that together. Yeah. This is the second of four. Uh, Second of four, most of whom lost. Uh, (laughs) Um, but Ren, uh, Ren definitely had a mind to, uh, to, to go at Milan early here and give it a proper go. The crowd was up for it. The team was up for it. Um, and they looked like they might make things interesting. Uh, Borigio, 11th minute, uh, go ahead in the game. It was a really nice shot from outside the box. Good strike. The crowd was certainly up for, up for a comeback here, but, um, Milan didn't, after, you know, a couple of dicey minutes after that, Milan kind of steadied, um, Quick response. Uh, Jovic is kind of left wide open on a cross from Teo. Um, yeah, and he finishes. Like, I don't really know why he's unmarked. He's the it only guy. Like as soon as Teo got into the box, yeah. that he just attracted all the defenders' attention. I, I look. Um, there's three defenders yeah, in the box. They're all all in a line, yeah. and behind them is Jovic. So yeah. well, anyone could have picked him up. They all look at Teo. They all yeah. take a step toward him. It's, really, he's strange. a dangerous player, but you yeah. have to stay. True to your position. You can't give a fucking free header for eight yards out. I think you kind of brushed aside the Borgia goal. That was a nasty goal. It was a nasty goal. That was a beautiful goal. It was outside the 18, probably 20, 22 yards out. But um, um, fired in. 
rest of the second half after the Milan goal felt mm-hmm. like the first half. Or sorry, yeah, first yeah. half felt like Milan were kind of in control of the game. Yeah, for the Ren definitely had the minutes. definitely had the better chances. Yeah, but not really. I'm saying like in the yeah. end of the first half, it, uh-huh. after the Jovic goal, it almost felt like it was over. They like, were comfortable enough. Yeah, Milan uh-huh. kept control of the ball. Ren didn't really create a lot, but then at the start of the second half, Ren once again came out firing. Yeah, I had to have something said to them in the locker room. Uh, yeah, they get a lifeline uh, after Kier steps through Terrio in the box, and Borjo gets his second from the penalty. But you know, no sooner. Uh, then Milan responds again, this time through layout. This is a, one of the weirdest goals of the day. Mm-hmm. Layout chose one of his like classic slaloms from half. He makes it into the box, and then it looks like Omari and Mandanda have it covered. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's like Mandanda. Omari's trying to clear or Mandanda's trying to like pick up the ball, but he slides in and Omari like gets the ball tangled under his legs, and they end up doing neither. And instead of handling it, they tap it right to lay out who's free on goal well, that Mandanda was does really weird get a hand to parry it away uh-huh. and then it but he just hits it right into like his chest it's like the, very softly hits it right they thought it was like a i thought it was like stuck under i think it Amari's was stuck under legs. Amari's legs for a bit and then when Mandanda hits it it's just very soft anyway it's a layout. mess from those two yeah one but, of them's gonna take charge of that it's a total mess dribble to get into that position was Another really nice one. It was, but his run should have been stopped it there. It should have been stopped there. Mandanda had it covered. At first, Amari it looks like he does a little bit of skill to get past them, but mm-hmm. it's actually just the two players collide into each other and yeah. it falls to him. Easiest tap-in he'll have. I think it's on Omari. I think Mandanda yeah. had that covered. I don't know. It's a big mistake, though. Um, Right when they had the momentum in their favor, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the goal that finally kills the game. Um, uh, so we thought. Well, and then, yeah, yeah Borjo gets another penalty, um that gives him a uh, a sad little hat trick in a losing effort but um two penalties yeah they weren't they weren't really able to make milan sweat that much after that Mm -hmm. um and definitely felt like some missed opportunities for them here loss of concentration at moments where they could have made things interesting um so this is a little spicy but it was in the end i think comfortable enough um for the italians yeah i'm sure you want to bitch about the penalty i mean i yeah, was obvious. I was as a Milan fan, obviously uh-huh. very biased and very disappointed in both the penalty calls. I thought the first one felt like not enough contact for Terry to go down, but whatever. He sells the contact. The referee buys it. Mm-hmm. It's that's something that you see in the game, right? Like attackers will go down lightly in the box, and as a defender, as experience is cure, you need to know that. You need to know you can't make that level of contact in the upper yeah. body when you're trying to step through a play. Yeah, and he's not at risk uh-huh. of turning. I don't know what Kira's doing there. Yeah, it felt like for an experienced player like that. It felt like an unfortunate call, soft call, but yeah. one that Kier should know there's a chance that if you make that challenge, it's going to happen. He's their most experienced player out yeah. there, you know. And then the second one, it's a Jovic handball. It's one of those where it's like the arm is not far from you know, the What body. is he supposed to do? Yeah. yeah, what are you supposed to do? It's one that we've complained about on this podcast many, many times. It's very it has, every fan has it's like, very common in the in the Europa in the conference league in particular, yeah, to give any hand contact whatsoever. Yeah. They're both they're regardless of context. Yeah. They're frustrating penalties, but they're penalties that you've seen called. Yeah. And you before. know they're gonna call them now. The big it just issue, doesn't it feels outside the game. The big issue for Milan is this is two more penalties they've conceded. They've conceded six in Serie A, which is uh I think third most in the mm-hmm. league. And they've also given away six red cards. This back line is just very prone to mm-hmm. very costly mistakes. And I believe there are now 10 different players who played center back for them uh-huh. this season. So that explains some of it. Yeah. Right. But if you want to go 
deep in these competitions, like you need to a little more stability. Yeah, just can't make those type of silly mistakes. And it's something they have got to clean up. Um I will say though, like the midfield played pretty well for Milan. There were times it looked rough, but especially in the second half after Loftus Cheek came on for Benasser, who had a pretty rough game, just uh couldn't really get going. Rinders and Loftus Cheek with Musa there as well. It's a very physical midfield. Yeah. That's gonna be tough for any opponent. Say yeah. Milan, yeah, Milan, you would have maybe wanted to see a little more composure on the you know on the goals yeah. that they conceded but i mean maybe with whatever Mori and uh Calabria coming back in pretty soon yeah the only could... worry for me is that if if this if they hadn't been i mean they 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 took their chances if uh ren hadn't made those errors you wonder if they could have made this interesting maybe get back to 2-0 you know yeah but i don't think ren had enough to to get the job yeah. and i do think milan but let's move on to a more exciting game. Opportunities, so let's move on to a more exciting game, uh, including the two penalties that Ren did rack up a pretty good three point one xg, eight shots yeah. on target. Similar but, XGs uh, for the non pen xgs with both of those coming from yeah. like nothing. So I think the result. But Milan did get a tap in because of that yeah, error yeah. from which probably result, was like point six xg or point seven xg. One goal win is a fair, yeah. a fair play. Yeah, uh, yeah. In the end, it came down to them getting their ass beat and. Milan. Yeah. Um. Let's go to the arguably the most exciting game of the day. Mm-hmm. Karabag two, three Braga, but Karabag are through six five on aggregate at home. Um, this game was pretty wild. Um, not so much the first half you'd say, but the second half it really starts to pop off. Uh, begins with you know some, the teams trading some chances, but then perhaps what looked like it would be the biggest moment in the game is when uh, Elvin Jafar Kiliev. Jafar Kiliev. I think hard. I got it. Jafar Kiliev. Yeah. Uh, he picked up two yellows in four minutes at the start of the second half. The first one I thought was pretty soft, but the second one he can't believe at all, but it's actually totally fair. It's 100% yeah. a card. I think the second one, it feels harsh because it's a red card. Like it ends yeah. up in a red card, but that if that was the first yellow, yeah. no chance oh, it's anyone Guaranteed. He steps those. on the guy with his right foot and then his left foot kind of swings through kind of high afterwards. Like, yeah. It's just pretty careless from him mm-hmm. having just picked up a yellow, yeah. even if the first yellow was a little harsh. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what I don't know what he's complained about. It's pretty obvious. Um, Karabag has to, you know, hunker down here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, remember that they got in the first leg for, for context, they beat the shit out of Braga. They were up four one, right? Yep. Um, mm-hmm. and had a chance to score at the end go up 5-1 and really bury the tie instead it's a missed chance and Braga end up scoring late they give themselves a lifeline um and all of a sudden that seems very 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 relevant because Braga comes in with response in the 70th minute with Karabag still holding a two goal aggregate advantage um deep cross finds the teenager Roger Fernandez unmarked at the far post takes a touch nice little finish into the corner um, this was Fernandez's first start in European really? football. Yeah. And then he's the one who looks to have delivered the key ball for the equalizer. Um, it falls to the substitute Diallo, who stabs at home. There is some question as to whether it was offside. Um, maybe it was off the head of the Carabag defender. Maybe Diallo just used his arm to handle I scoring. Think, what ha- I think he used his arm there. Yeah. I I, I couldn't tell like yeah, for sure the what they were calling. The commentary live focused uh-huh. on the offside potential offside aspect of mm-hmm. it and the referee the referee doesn't make a 
offside symbol when he comes back from the review. Yeah. He just does like the no goal symbol. Uh, doesn't just like doesn't yeah. make a decision. There's a problem with some of these with it some was. of these like paramount streams yeah. on these that the sometimes it's not super detailed on what is happening. Yeah. And I think it came off too low uh-huh. on the arm because okay. right around the sleeve line. It was a little hard to tell. Either way, it was chalked off. But then Diallo does get the equalizer a few minutes later, and it's a stunner. Uh, far post, or is it the far end of the goal? Um, from the edge of the eighteen, curls it. Absolute beauty. So much. Well, maybe not totally, totally in the corner, but yeah. So much pace and curl that it just sort of like dips up and over the keeper. Yeah. Um, and after he scored, he shushed the crowd, which I don't know why, but it really irked me as someone uh-huh. as like the team that is heavy heavy favorites to be shushing i'm like come yeah. on You're well it hard. looked uh it looked like it, it was going to be braga's day for a comeback mm-hmm. but carabag do survive the rest of regulation they get themselves to extra time um with braga still very much in favor but they do not quit david mm-hmm. they do not quit in the 102nd minute um they score um after a deep free kick lands at the feet of mateus silva Manages to read his leg behind him and whip it past the keeper. It's kind of an underrated finish, I think, um, yeah, because kind of, he has to he really has to turn his body like ninety degrees and reach back for the ball, and he still gets that much power. It's one of those that you see it in like FIFA video games, and it pisses yeah. you off every You're time. Like, that, like, there's no way unrealistic get the power like that. And you know what's even more under, unrealistic about it? He hasn't scored since July. Ooh. Yeah, I mean he's at any level. Right? Yeah, <laughs> hasn't scored since July, and that was for a different club. Um, but once again, it's Diallo. With the answer, Karabeg can't find a clearance, um, and they bring him down for a penalty converted by Bonza. Um, five five on aggregate, all of a sudden, pretty crazy. Um, at this point, you have to feel like Karabeg have created a lot of their own problems. I think, um, starting with the silly red card, um, and this goal was like pretty poor to concede. Yeah, I think there was an argument that this could have been another red card for Karabeg as well. Oh, interesting. Uh, just because it is, it's a rugby tackle in the box. I don't think he, he's it, the last one back. Though. I, yeah, I, there was. Yeah, I don't think it should have been the red card, but I also could have understood if a ref had reached for it because it's yeah. so close to the goal. Yeah, there is. He's fortunate he's not potential cover yeah. in. Yeah. I think Silva. Is I think the there's enough. Close yeah. There. Um, I think there's enough cover personally. Yeah, but, but it's was, close. There was definitely room for interpretation. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely close. And it, again, like the but the dogs, and like the penalty was it? Not, it looked like somebody was coming over to provide a challenge, not guaranteed he's finishing yeah. there. And um, Jallo, yeah, and I, also I agree with you. and I, also it only gets to him because the ball like bounces around a couple times. You can't have the ball just like bouncing on the ground in your own box. Um, in the 115th minute pretty, of the game. When you have too. the lead, it's pretty avoidable. Um, and they put themselves in a tough position. It looks like the game's headed to penalties, which, you know, down 10 men and giving up those two goals you take if you're Carabug. Mm-hmm. But just as it looks like we're going to finish from open play, Husinov, 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 he's the captain. Yes. He's a center back. Um, uh, Braga's, you know, trying to penetrate. Carbag gets the turnover, a foul at midfield. Hussinov, I'm not even sure why he's up that high, to be honest. He plays a quick free kick from the midfield to the 19-year-old Naraman Akunzade, who was actually the guy that missed the chance to go up 5-1 in Braga. Um, he cut he receives the ball in some space, cuts back to his right, slides it past the onrushing Mateus to win it for the home side. And is this 
are there questions? Was it fair play to restart? What do you think? Braga was furious because they feel as if they should the uh they shouldn't have been able to quick play that quick of a free kick. There was a the man who got injured or got quote unquote injured yeah. was down on the ground for Carabag rolling around in agony, probably trying to kill time so they could make it to yeah. penalties. The ref kind of checks down to look at him while the ball is played. Um, so Braga have some questions about whether it was fair play to kick off then, but they, they don't call it back. It counts. Could I it have think, counted? I think that's fair play. I mean, you just got to be – it's the 122nd minute. Yeah. Stay tuned in. What do Stay you, tuned you in. You cannot just rely on like, oh, and they no did, And they play. still had – it wasn't like they had a big number of – people rushing Carabag did rushing into the box. It was pretty much one V three. Yeah. Am, uh, I, am I wrong in remembering that it was Jallo, the striker and the brace goal scorer, who is the main man that gets brushed off by the 19 year old. I mean, why is possible. he, why is he the one all the I way think, back in the box? I think they're up for a corner before that. Or... Yeah. Yeah. So, and I know Jallo's not like, a so yeah, they person, switch off. So, yeah. They switch off. If you have a defender back there, maybe it doesn't happen. I also want to take some issue with how, the keeper, he, he how the not have how Mateus handled this, mm-hmm. he rushes out in a place where I think he actually opens up the angle for Akunzade a little bit. Like yeah. he really, I mean, I understand. Like Akunzade takes a touch that's maybe a little heavy. Um, so I think what Mateus is seeing is like he can rush out there and actually close the angle quick enough that he can't get a good look away. Yeah, but I think it's like a little bit rash, especially with the game on the line like this. I think if he stays on his line and gets the angle right, then it's actually going to be a pretty. You have to. It would be a pretty, you know, saucy finish to to beat him. Mm-hmm. Um. So I want. I just want to point that out. Like the composure from the kid is so good, though. You know. Yeah, to be nineteen um, years old in arguably the biggest game in club history. Oh. Yeah, maybe. Right at this point, because it's a knockout tie where you maybe. have the advantage in the second leg. And they've never been to the round of 16 no, in so any European competition. I'm not sure any Azeri side has gone mm-hmm. in any European competition. Yeah. Um, I know Karabakh have played some big opponents before. But yeah. I mean, the- it surprised me because we've had a year of like just complimenting their their yeah. their play. Um, but anyway, as the commentator said, breathtaking in Baku. Uh, well said, sir. Yes. Um. There's a really cool advertisement for this competition, I think, because you have a team like Braga, who's like pretty comfortably the fourth biggest team in probably the sixth best league. And then you have this country or this small country um, with a team that's like playing in a city they're not even from, Mm -hmm. Um, even though they're like pretty comfortably the best team in Azerbaijan these days. Um, But for them to actually match Braga, uh, you know, tit for tat, and fully deserved it. It's not, you know, it's not like they didn't deserve to go through or they or they had to park the bus and get lucky on counters. Like, they fully earned this. It should have been over after the first leg, after they battered Braga. Um, they made things more difficult than they needed on themselves. But yeah. they do get it done, and it's a, it's a pretty cool, I think, uh, advertisement for what the competition is about. Yeah, the scenes about afterwards. The, the difference in the finance of the clubs. I mean, one of the goal scorers for Carbog, Mateus Silva, was two years ago struggling for game time in the Portuguese mid table with yeah. uh I'm gonna butcher this pronunciation. Do it. Do it. Orense. Do it. I'm terrible at Portuguese pronunciation. It's probably Portuguese my, is hard, man. It's the one I'm worst at, right? Portuguese is but hard. They're a mid table team in Portugal and he was struggling to get game time there. Mm-hmm. Now he's playing for Carbach and he's beating teams like Braga. Yeah. So I just think it speaks to the quality of Carbach and like mm-hmm. the leaps they've taken. 
last few years, but also teams keep forgetting how good they are. Yeah. You have so much tape on them now. I know. It's we say this all the time now. Uh we keep saying this now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is a uh this is a really cool result for them. And uh, you know, they're not an easy team to play in the next round, which we'll get to later. Should we go back to the Um, French teams? Yeah, should we do Toulouse? Yeah. Let's do Toulouse nil, Benfica nil, sending Benfica two one uh through to the round of 16 there were chances to be had here yeah the fact Toulouse had ended, more of them <laughs> the fact this ended nil nil is yeah. absurd uh especially as Toulouse started pushing for the equalizer in the second half for the mm-hmm. tie it's uh I don't know how they didn't score yeah. uh <laughs> Antonio Silva had a big chance late in the first half somehow ended up one-on-one with the keeper but but rest makes the big save that's the that's the young Toulouse keeper he's 18, 18 years old um, the French needed another great keeper. They only yeah. have so many. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. And then uh, who was it? Is it Spearings for Toulouse mm-hmm. that misses their biggest chance of the game to this point at the 54th minute? He gets like a free header six yards out, doesn't even hit the goal. Yeah. He really a, poor. He had a rough game. Toulouse had a lot of headed chances yes. in this game. Spearings had a rough day with his head. The rest of his game is great. Dalinga also had a big, big chance with his head that he headed wide in 64th minute. Uh, just a minute later, he's probably offside though. Yeah. Then Trubin is forced to make an excellent save off the line from a corner, and I don't know how he. I don't really know how he makes the save. It's like he's absurd. It's like a matrix. It's like a matrix moment for him. The way he gets his hand like across, or it's not a matrix moment, but a uh, uh, Karate Kid moment. It looked yeah. like a wax on, wax off yeah. situation. It's incredible reflexes. Um, you don't even notice the ball is going to him, and he's already parried it away. It's two young goalkeepers, yeah. combined age of forty between them, and they stood on their heads all day. They were incredible. But, but after this amazing save, off the ensuing cross on the and the as the ball circles back around, uh, Nicola Nicolaisen Nicolaisen, whatever he misses the goal on a point blank header. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I have no idea how they scored. The commentator on Paramount said, "Oh." Toulouse have done everything but score. Um, I have no fucking idea how they didn't score off one of these like 17 mm-hmm. point blank headers they had. Yeah. Um, um, do you want to know what the XGs were yes, for this game? Yes, it was, I do. Toulouse had 2.19. Yeah. And Benfica had 1.52. Yeah. And you look at the you, and you no look goal at the, between either team. Yeah. It's absurd. If you look at the uh, the chance, the um the what's it called? The, the big uh, chances. Not just the big chances, but the but the the, what's this the shot map yeah that's yeah. what it is thank you i had an old man moment the shot map is there's just like eight chances at the six yard box mm-hmm. for toulouse most of which most of which were like headed chances from crosses or corners um and yeah they'll have to wonder how after six big chances also how they were not able to finish a single one of them um i will say i did not expect toulouse to be quite this threatening in this tie i thought mm-hmm. benfica would take care of business more than they have but they did enough i guess but you know other than some really good really good moments from trubin who's also young he's 22 yeah uh 22 22 year old ukrainian um he's was great today like other than you know some heroic performances from him i'm not really sure how toulouse have not managed to score today it's not the first time we'll be saying this on this podcast Mm -hmm. about the team but yeah toulouse had a big chance here i mean they should be proud of themselves i think how they, you know, how hard they, how hard they made it for the Portuguese champions. Um, and that said, they're only one point clear of relegation. <laughs> no, so, so they I, have to stay up. I'm sure the Toulouse brass are not 
super upset about this. No. Although, okay, they did win uh, either today or yesterday, recording on Sunday. Oh, okay. So they, they maybe beat the points clear beat Lille. So they're now oh, nice. uh, four points clear. Okay. And somehow in 11th and four points clear. Of <laughs> it's tough down 16. there. That's bottom half of the French day. The list tight. Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel pretty good out. about them not going down, but. Yeah, at this point, with the win over yeah. Lille, feels like other teams will screw I think this up. is better than the teams down there, too. Yeah. Like, um, I do want to shout out Joao Neves, though. Mm-hmm. His uh, mother passed away a couple days before the game. Neves. He was probably... Kid, too, 19. Yeah, 19 years old, playing with a heavy heart, and was uh, unarguably Benfica's best outfield player. Mm-hmm. Uh, shared a good moment with the away fans after the result as yeah. well. And really teammates. Yeah. yeah. So, big shout out to him. Indeed. Yeah. Um, yeah, Toulouse definitely should have found a equalizer on aggregate. Didn't. They should still be, I think, proud of how they played in the Europa League this year. Absolutely. Um, definitely outkicking their coverage. Um, let's do Marseille 3-1 Shakhtar. Marseille advances 5-3 on aggregate. And boy, did the French need this because um, they did not have a good day. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're out, I think they're all down to just Marseille and PSG in Europe, right? I believe so now. Well, Lille. Lille, I'm sorry, yeah. Lille. Forgot. So, yeah, they need all they can get because if they're going to – they're basically eliminated themselves for an extra yeah, it an extra spot in Europe. I think we'll talk about this more a little bit at the end. But, yeah, right now it feels like they're probably out of the running Definitely. for the top def- two. Unless PSG, like, win- PSG and Marseille win. Yeah. But <laughs> they also should be safe for – Keeping their fifth spot, yeah, and fending off the Dutch probably. This year. But that's uh, yeah, not the, the Dutch had a much stronger year last year than this year. This year, much stronger. We'll see how PSV does, but yeah. So Marseille three one. Um, looked like you know that that Shakhtar, um, had gone ahead. They'd gone ahead in the tie in the tenth minute or the twelfth minute with a penalty. I think the penalty soft. David doesn't think it's soft. I think it's just. It's just bad by I the just defender. Think it's definitely bad by the defender. He puts himself in a bad position. I don't really think he touches them that much. I think there's enough. Um, I'd be bad if they called that against yeah. me. Um, I mean, I was complaining about the Kier one, and I feel like the commentator goes say, "Oh, what a stupid challenge!" It's <laughs> a really, really stupid, really challenge. stupid challenge. He just dangles his leg um, out there, allows the shock star player to cut back and kind of throw himself over the leg yeah, with no danger, but, poised. Yeah, um, one player in the box at the very edge. Of so shock get a free penalty, and they score. But Aubameyang answers 10 minutes later. Mm-hmm. And then with the game sort of on a, on a knife's edge for most of the second, Sar uh, puts Marseille ahead in the 74th minute after some sloppy defending. And then the keeper whiffs on a cross and Kondogbia finishes to seal it. Um, Shakhtar, I think, will feel they have themselves to blame for those mm-hmm. two, for the go-ahead goals. Um, otherwise, they were in this. And they weren't the better team today, but I think they, they did – you know, with the penalty, um, get more XG than Marseille. So it's not like they were being run off the pitch here. It was 50% possession in a piece, you know, yeah. seven shots well. on target for Marseille to five. There was, like, Marseille were the better team today, mm-hmm. but Shakhtar were totally in this if they hadn't made some errors in the back. Yeah, it did feel like after Marseille got their first goal that they kind of mm-hmm. woke up. And from that point on, mm-hmm. they were – a much better team and it looked like a rare home were, win for them they were going to win the tie uh-huh. after that point but yeah Shakhtar came out really hot really quickly and then I think just not really being in as consistent form mm-hmm. as Marseille like they're not playing as often as Marseille is right now so mm-hmm. I think that was a big factor and uh 
Gasset, Jean-Louis Gasset. Jean gets his first uh, win with Marseille after kind of... Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Kind of winning yeah. AFCON? Who knows? He got he left halfway through the tournament. I don't know if he gets to count himself as a winner. Who knows? Does he get a ring? I don't know. Yeah, he was the Ivory uh, Coast manager. Almost that, got them eliminated. Uh, claims to have resigned after the group stage, uh, but also was probably fired. I, it's a very weird situation. I think they thought they were out. And <laughs> uh, very odd. Yeah, let's uh let's quickly go over sporting young boys. One mm-hmm. one on the day, four two sporting on aggregate. And while I think young boys were a bit lucky or a bit unlucky in the first leg to be down three one, thought they actually played pretty well. Mm-hmm. There can be no doubt that sporting was the better side in this one. Um it was an early, a really nice early goal from Gyorkis. Gyokeres. 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 I've never been sure how to say that. Yeah. Gyokeres. Gyokeres. Definitely Gyokeres. Okay. Uh, he pushes the tie out of reach pretty early in the mm-hmm. first half, although he did later miss a penalty. Yeah. Um, but... Which somehow was not Sporting's worst miss of the day. <laughs> they could have put <laughs> They the racked play. up 3.5 XG. Yeah. They absolutely dominated. Marcus Edwards missed a really easy chance. Um, My boy. And then conceded a penalty late on with a pretty bad handball mm-hmm. um, to give young boys yeah, you know, it's a draw yeah. to head out. But they yeah. didn't really have it today. Sporting controlled this tie. Yeah, well, well earned for Sporting. They're back to the round of 16 for the second consecutive year where last year they knocked off Arsenal. Mm-hmm. What can they do this year? Maybe another English team? Maybe. We'll, uh, we'll talk about the draws later. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do Sparta or one Galatasaray, 6-4 Sparta. They get through this, I think you could call an upset, going into this tie. Um, and we were raving about what we saw from Sparta last week. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they ended up like, they very easily and probably should have won that leg. Mm-hmm. Instead, you know, a late goal from Galatasaray steals it for them. Galatasaray end up with a second straight red in a row <laughs> between the two legs today. And that's actually... Uh, a big turning point in the game, but let's start early the match events written mm-hmm. down and just like very brief description of them. So I remember what uh-huh. happened. It's a page long. Yeah. A lot happened. Um, And uh, so Sparta levels the tie in the eighth minute through a uh, Preciado. Um, it's a pitch perfect through ball and Preciado chips gracefully over the keeper. Um, Galatasaray immediately responds to goal. It comes from a deep set piece. Jensen makes a, Brilliant point blank save um, from Sanchez and goal, but then Bardaki, Bardaki, there for Bardacci, a putback header. Bardachi. I felt like there was yeah, a could be. In could the be. pronunciation there. Bardachi, Bardachi, Bardachi. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Last time we'll be mentioning him today. <laughs> putback header. They're back on top of the aggregate. Um, the rest of the half plays out fairly evenly, you'd have mm-hmm. to say. Galatasaray maybe got the slightly better of the chances there. Um, although uh, Olatunji nearly scored a really clever backheel flick yeah. for the home side, um, and Kuchta put the ball in the back of the net, but it was offside. Mm-hmm. Um, that was actually closer than I thought it was live. Yeah. Um, so maybe not, maybe don't want to pass over that completely. Um, and then, you know, the home side coming out swinging on the other side of the half with some early chances um, after the break. A really bad back pass uh, sees Olatunji through 1v1 with the, with the keeper. He's too slow. Can't make the most of it. Um, and then, as we spoiled, perhaps the biggest moment of the tie is a, is a red card. Um, uh, Khan Ayan takes a stab at a leg, um, and he's annoyed that he gets a yellow, and then it's upgraded to a red. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he's annoyed he gets any card, and then it's a red. 
you can't really tell that well from the angles we saw, but it does look like he stomps pretty high. Yeah, I think they. I saw an angle on Reddit, so not the official Paramount mm-hmm. angle that we get in the United States, because God forbid they give us a high quality replay. I gotta stop dissing them because I want them to sponsor us. Yeah, but they they can do better. Yeah, they could have done better on this one with the replays they showed live. But I saw a replay on Reddit and it's very high up. It's the studs are right yeah. in a lot of force. And yeah, he fully extends his leg too. So. Yeah, it looks like a maybe a fair card to me. Yeah, and they go to VAR to upgrade it. I don't know really know what he's complaining about. Um, and then, you know, Sparta bring the tie level again. Um. This one through Indrit Tucci. This is very soon after the red. Mm-hmm. Um, it's his first for the club. And then a few yeah. minutes after that, Tucci involved again. Plays a through ball to Haraslin. Puts him on top for good, absolute scenes in Prague. They're fucking loving it. One of my favorite atmospheres of the day, for sure. Um, then a late counter for Galatasaray. Uh, or, sorry, a late counter off a Galatasaray attack. Mm-hmm. Um, seals the win. And the advancing, um, it's yeah. I think it's deserved over two legs, even though you know Galatasaray were, you know, had big moments in both legs. Yeah, I feel like Sparta were the better team. I completely agree with that. Uh, and it's kind of interesting to look at like this Galatasaray team and where you try to place the blame mm-hmm. for the results. I mean, it's the names that are familiar to everybody are yeah. where the fault lies. Like Acardi was, Acardi Mertens were decent. Right, yeah. Acardi didn't have his best game, but he wasn't bad. He wasn't. You didn't hear his name called very much. He wasn't. He had trouble getting on the ball. Wasn't really involved that much. Yeah, only had one shot, I believe. Yeah. Right, so I thought Mertens had some nice long balls, but again, not super involved outside of free kicks. But mm-hmm. Davis and Sanchez had a really terrible game. Lucas Torreira had a ton of turnovers. Um, Kareem Demirbay had. A terrible game as well. He's probably at fault at fault for the first goal with mm. the really awful turnover. Uh Zaha was totally ineffective off the bench. Pete did nothing. Isn't that weird that Zaha I keep forgetting Zaha? I should not be forgetting that Zaha is on Galatasaray. He should be their second best attacker after Icardi. Yeah. He just yeah, should be. He should be. And it's all these. He big was name scoring players. good goals in the Premier League recently in his career. Yeah. So, so he's not even starting for them. Tete came on off the bench and we're invisible right? yeah yeah zaha can barely get a game at all they're starting 36 year old Dries mertens otherwise you know yeah it's weird um i mean serge aurier is always injured for them <laughs> yeah uh, hakeem zayach when he's healthy can't play like yeah. he just sits on the bench even when he's healthy mm-hmm. uh and dombele missed today's game i thought he usually seems decent when we've seen him come into like the europa league game so i don't want to or the Champions League games mm. in the fall. So I don't want to like totally lambast him. He seemed all right yeah. in the fall. But uh, just it's all the big name players that people get excited about signing for Galatasaray that failed to show up. Well, that's the thing with this games. team is that like it's a little bit like this. We, we will see more of Fenerbahce moving forward in the in mm. Conference League. But like with these Turkish teams that go for these big – like fancy splashy signings the who we play for kind of signings yeah you wonder like how if they're ever going to be able to build a really cohesive team especially i mean they're obviously been really successful in the league so far so it's not like they've been unsuccessful in it but wonder how cohesive a team can be especially in europe when you know it's a lot of like guys that are there because they're 
kind of famous, you know, yeah, and probably on big money. And like, like, I mean, Acardi's obviously been very successful for them. Like, Zaha sounds like a good get on paper. Like, Lucas Torreira is a pretty big net. Like, these Demirbai, you know, these are like, I don't know. You just wonder if they can actually do something cohesive here mm-hmm. or if they're relying on like, you know, really good goal scoring form from Acardi. Um, yeah, I feel bad like critiquing Acardi, who is for the most part been their best player, their best player for the last few years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like Moose Slayer is an old bitch too. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Like I just they, I mean, and you compare it to Sparta on the other side, who are from a league that's pretty similarly situated, right? Where you have yeah. uh, a decent, a, a little bit of money. It's uh, around like the twelfth to fifteenth ranked league in the world, so it's a little behind where Turkey is. But you have Definitely a similar, behind. you know, you have a similar big gap between the haves and the haves nots in the league. But their team is built on round guys who are around like twenty three to twenty six, right? Yeah, guys young who guys are coming in. Maybe this is where they're going to play their prime. Maybe mm-hmm. they're going to take one more step. But regardless, they need and, to uh, prove something. You know, they have and their coach is from Prisca is from the the Michelin school of footballing. Mm-hmm. So you know the uh, the Brentford school basically yeah. that that um that brand of so you know you figure they're a little more committed to like the money ball i don't like using that term but you know what i mean mm-hmm. um i mean tuki i think the tucci the goal scorer mm-hmm. who, new signing yeah he was he scored the go-ahead goal he's 23 he just signed from nk locomotive in croatia mm-hmm. so he's taking a step up and he's there to prove something and maybe get an even bigger move where you, know, you can get a good contract from Sparta, mm-hmm. right, and make it there. But it's just the type of players that maybe Galatasaray should be, and other big Turkish teams should be thinking of targeting. Because uh, you you think they could have their, I mean, they do have, it's unfair to say they don't have any, like, Turks on their team. They have some young Turkish guys. Ilmaz is 23. Yeah. Um, um, after Koblu is usually 25. pretty good. Like, so it's unfair to say they don't, you know, they don't embrace Turkish talent completely. But I do yeah. think there's an opportunity for them as arguably the biggest club in the country to maybe embrace yeah you know finding i mean u20 u21 guys like you know under under 21 internationals um in turkey where there's a lot of good talent that comes out of turkey these days like um at least to just mix it up you know who was the kid that just moved to real madrid Uh, um because he's uh, somebody that maybe you should have kept around instead of at least for another yeah, two years and sell I mean, bigger. It's hard you know. to keep off a team like Real Madrid, right. right? Like I understand that that's a kind of different situation, but what if they operated a little more like Shakhtar, though? You know, where mm-hmm. it's like Shakhtar is an extreme example, but and obviously yeah. they love their Brazilians too. Shakhtar always has the best young, young, uh, Ukrainian mm-hmm. players. Yeah, and then next thing you know, you're making hundred million dollars from Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, I don't want to oversimplify mm-hmm. uh how they do business, but I do think this like is a problem when they get to deeper stages in Europe when maybe they're over-reliant on raw talent. Yeah, it feels like these... Older talent and not so much on team yeah. building. These big-name players, they can show up when you play in a team like Real Madrid or Real Madrid or Manchester United like they did in the Champions League. But then you bring it down just like a slight level and suddenly they just turn off, right? Yeah. They don't care anymore. They don't... There's no passion for the club outside of a couple of them, right? Like, if just feels like that's kind of where the issue is when it comes to like they're signing players who want to be competing at above their level and mm-hmm. so when they're actually competing at their level they don't care they can't get the job done yeah and better to be fair is also kind of like this yeah um, i mean it's working in the league i guess so i shouldn't be too they're both like fighting for that yeah 
fighting for first still. Um, yeah, not a lot of Turks on the in the starting lineup for Fenerbahce. What the fuck did Banucci move there? <laughs> uh, uh, in the winter. Oh my god! Because Union Berlin missed. That's right. Like, oh my god. Out. He's doing. He's, he's just having like a farewell tour all over the world. Yeah. Next thing you know, he'll be in Australia. Anyway, something to look out for. We'll see how Fenerbahce performs as their European yeah. journey continues. But very big credit to Sparta. Move on to the last. They earned it. They were great over two legs. Really impressed with how they looked. Yeah. Can move on to the last European or the last Europa League. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead and rant about Roma one, Feyenoord one, aggregate two two, mm-hmm. penalties Roma four. Feyenoord two, and for yet another year, Feyenoord cruelly goes out straight at the hands of Roma. Of like five or six, something now like that. Um, yeah, yeah. These guys, an Italian team, like five years in a row. Yeah, <laughs> Roma, like three years in a row. Yeah, this is the fifth time in three years they've played a team from Roma. And if I was, if I was Feyenoord, I'd be filing an investigation against UEFA to see why they keep putting them against, yeah, against Roma every it's year. All payback for the Trevi Fountain. Yeah, they damaged it their first trip to yeah. Rome. And this is their also their second straight year, starting a leg in Feyenoord, going to a second leg in Rome, getting it to extra time. Last year, they lost in extra time. This year, they lost on penalties. So they're getting one step closer. Every year. First time in yeah. the Conference League final, the first Conference League final. They lost in regulation, and then extra yeah. time, now penalty. So next year, maybe they can finally get it done. Just do it. It's absolutely brutal. Um, but they got off to a great start. They did. Five minutes in, uh, Roma couldn't clear a ground cross. It's played back across to Jimenez, who maybe uses his arm to score. Very possibly. It was very close, and they didn't look at it at all. Yeah, weird, right? I was thought that was very odd how quickly they restarted the game. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I guess they saw a good angle that we haven't seen because, uh, you know, they're going to have extra angles on the VAR than we're going to have as fans. Mm-hmm. So they must have seen an extra pretty conclusive angle to – uphold it so quickly but Jimenez opens things up for Feyenoord five minutes in and they've taken the lead but only 10 minutes after that the 15th minute Pellegrini does what Pellegrini does under De Rossi and scores a banger it's a beautiful he's only good for De Rossi yeah never anybody else he has been so good since De Rossi took over I think it's five goals now really that many he really benefits from the wider winger play Mm -hmm. I think that gives him space to come forward and get uh, those avenues for him to get into the box and mm-hmm. to play with a little more space uh, than he did under Jose Mourinho. Jose, Jose. Uh, so he's probably Jose. been the the biggest benefactor of mm-hmm. De Rossi's appointment. And from there, it uh, nothing happened until extra time. It was just you know sitting. I was going to say until watching. penalties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. This uh, was like really a... nothing happened until the 120th minute when they blew the whistle to send it to extra time. This was very much like uh I said it last week, but like when Roma are up against it and need a performance, they channel their full Jose. Yeah. But it's and uh and like defend I, and get their chances from certain scenarios. But like I mentioned last week, De Rossi does have a slightly different approach to defending and to controlling a game. I mean, you'd be very hard pressed to tell me Feyenoord had a single opportunity. Thought Roma looked the more likely, and that's largely because they had almost sixty percent of the ball. Where it's like Jose, which is strange, isn't it? Jose would have been thirty. Really strange. Um, especially against a team that wants to have the ball. Yeah, it's they just had trouble converting that possession into very dangerous opportunities. Interesting. What do they only have like forty something percent, forty four percent of the ball last week or something? Yeah. This week they have fifty eight. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So 
30 fouls combined too. I mean, yeah. there was a lot of players on the ground. It reminded me so much of last year. Yeah. Or even the last two years where Roma just ends up getting the in the final in the first in the two years ago case, but in the last two years, they end up, especially with having the home advantage in the second leg, really beneficial for them because they can kind of control the pace of the game mm-hmm. um and kind of get physical yeah. and you know, muck up what Feyenoord wants to do. And Feyenoord, just two years in a row, haven't quite... I mean, it feels like to get over the hump, they just have to they just have to be the ones to out-muscle them. And they just yeah. can't do it. They can't do it. I mean... This is their best chance. We're going to have some guys that are hard to out-muscle. Perez, yeah. Cristante, Lukaku, like... But they just got to be, like... They got to be, like, the tougher team and take the chance that yeah. comes, you know? Before, it's been Roma that took that chance. This year, nobody did. Uh, They went to penalties and... I do want to say, before yeah. we get, like... uh. You know, the 30 fouls, I think half of those were just on Dabala. <laughs> yeah. Feyenoord had a great you strategy of just Dabala gets the ball, kick him. Kick him well, as hard as he can. He's very likely to get injured in that case, too. Yeah. So, I mean, good that strategy. Was their only strategy against Dabala, and it worked really well. He mm-hmm. was never comfortable today. Yeah. Um, but so they go to penalties, and, you know, as DeRossi would later say, I felt okay after Lukaku missed the penalty because uh, my dad always told me that the Team that misses first always wins in a shootout. It's an interesting strategy. So yeah. you should just miss their first penalty. Yep. So you okay. should. Yeah. So that's what happened. Lukaku missed, um, and then Feyenoord missed and missed. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Feyenoord. They missed back to back ones. They're both, in my opinion, poor penalties because they're at that classic height that where it's mm-hmm. best for the keeper to save at about like hip waist, hip yeah. height. Um, that's the easiest. Uh, height to save for a keeper and um they sort of eye up where they're going before this is i'm talking about uh honko, honko and and Johan who's the other guy yeah, yeah 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 came on as a uh, sub who okay, came on as a sub in the just 120th penalties. minute yeah just to take a penalty he did not have a single touch yep. in the game and i hate it i feel like they always miss i'm sure statistically yeah. someone's going to pull out some stats yeah. like oh no they converted like a slightly higher he, than average rate i don't care it wasn't no, the I, penalty I, of a confident looking person because he stared down the corner he was going to put yeah. it at, put it at the the an easy height to save. And while credit is due for saving both of those, yeah, um, you know who probably wouldn't have saved both of those, Rui Patricio, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, so so this is good. They Roma's finally learned, but um, but I but they're both uh, in my opinion like not. Great penalties. And you could see that Spieler was leaving a little early because he could mm-hmm. tell where they were going. Yeah. So I don't think it's and at that point you have to you have to be able to adjust on penalty. You have to be able to if you're not gonna put your penalty in the in the in the corner so far that yeah, noble keeper can get yeah. to it with at pace, then you have to pay attention. Um you have to pay attention to that and be able to adjust and calmly roll it into the opposite corner. Every penalty basically Messi took in the World Cup. Last year is a great example of yeah. that. I feel like Messi didn't take a single like bang it into the corner penalty. He's been burned by those before in big moments. Uh, for Argentina, instead he would just like wait for the keeper. the The funniest one to me was uh, um, in the final, in the penalty shootout. You know, like Yuris, he gets Yuris just like totally in stasis, and yeah. he puts it right next to him, and there's nothing he can do. It's like. I mean, we saw That's an extreme example. We saw but... in this one too. Yeah. Hartman, who took Feyenoord's fourth penalty, he adds a little hesitation right yeah. before he kicks, and Svilar bites on it. He yeah. ends up like he's almost on the ground, uh-huh. and then Hartman just puts it yeah. a pretty bad spot. To be fair, Svilar almost yeah. got there again. 
because it was a very weak penalty. And Wellen Ruther did it. That hesitation yeah. made it nearly unmissable. Yeah. And in the opposite goal, Wellen Ruther, I also don't think did a great job in the shootout. He was going really early. Yeah. Um, I think I think he Roma, made it easy on Roma. Adapting. I mean, Chris yeah. Dante clearly, you can see him reading the goalkeeper. And I think he made it too easy on the takers for Roma to mm -hmm. uh to. But anyway, um, it's more heartbreak for Feyenoord, the poor bastards. At least they got that league title. Yeah. Um, and more uh, more devastation for our boy, our boy Arnaslot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Roma advanced to the round of sixteen again, and uh, you know, you never want to play them because you'll hurt afterwards. Yes. Huh. You'll be in pain. And the fact that Svilar hasn't been the starter for Roma for two mm -hmm. years is absurd. Like, he's so clearly been yeah. better the whole time. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, should we talk about the round yeah. of sixteen draw then? Or oh sure. Let's 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 circle back to the draws at the end. Okay. Let's do the conference league yeah. first. And Make I want to start with Frankfurt one, two Union Saint Jules, also known as Frankfurt three, four Union Saint Jules. Saint Jules pulls the upset in Germany, going through at the expense. Of Frankfurt, um, two years ago's runners up Frankfurt, or three years ago, I guess at this point, three years ago. God, when did they two years lose? Ago. When did they beat Rangers? It's Fuck uh, yeah, no. yeah. Two, you're right. Two, I'm talking about the Conference League. God, I can't. Can't was keep that any only, of this straight. Was that only two years ago? Because it was Rome. It was Sevilla last year beat Roma, and then was it Frankfurt the year before that? I can't keep any of this straight. I think it was. Yeah. Um. Anyway, no, we have how, terrible memories. How things change? Frankfurt is. Not the team that they once were. 2022 final. Yeah, they're not the team they were two years ago. Um, and they're not the team they were last week either because poor, poor Sasha Kalajasic mm. tore his ACL for like a third time in his young career. Yeah. Really devastating for the guy. He just arrived on loan from Wolves where he didn't feature much because he tore his ACL. Uh, <laughs> so, brutal. So you really feel for him. Um, and he looked like he was having a nice start for Frankfurt too. So it's a loss for them. Um, especially because, you know, they're just not great around in the final third right, right now mm -hmm. um, in league or in Europe. Um, but St. Joe is becoming quite the stalwart the last couple of years in Europe. Yeah. Remember they made a run to the quarterfinals of the Europa League last year. Um, and what a result this is. Not a ton to report on in the first half, in my opinion. Teams sort of canceled each other out. But second half is a much different story. Um really fast start to the second period from the Belgian league leaders. Um, where it does side foots in a square ball across the face of the box. It's a very smooth finish mm -hmm. from the guy set up by Mora, mm -hmm. of course. And then uh, Puerta should have a second in the 70th minute. This is a simpler chance, frankly, center of the goal, eight to nine yards out the whole goal to aim at, but he hits it right at Kevin trap. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, their biggest chance comes from an Nkuku header. Excuse me. There, I mean, by there, I mean Frankfurt. Uh, Frankfurt's biggest chance of the half comes from an Nkuku header um, that he heads into the ground and is really well saved by Morris, who's like scrambling back around uh, to the far post. Um, and then St. Joel's do go up to in the 80th minute off a corner. It ends up at Eckerd's feet at the far post and he thumps it over the head of Kevin Trapp. It's dreamland for St. Joel's and. Uh, Frankfurt can manage a lifeline in the 87th minute from Mbembe, but uh, they can't really find another gear after that. Um, they they get seven whole minutes of added time to to work, but um, they didn't really get a proper chance after that after that goal. Um, and you'd have to say 
Frankfurt limped out of this competition. Oh, yeah. Um, remember, they went down 2-0 early to St. Chalaz in Belgium last week and clawed their way back in. There was no such fight from them today. They just sort of whimpered out. They petered out. They'd really, if I was a Frankfurt fan, I'd be really disappointed in how the well, their fans how that played out very curious because 150 of them tried to storm the east away area held back by the police so this, this they was... were definitely mad and you talked about like them whimpering out yeah and the substitutions i think really speak to that i mean they brought on roda for Nolf in the 71st minute and i'm like it's such a it's a backward substitution right mm-hmm. you're taking away attacking talent bringing on someone who's going to control the midfield but it's, you're still chasing the game yeah, at that point, and then down two goals, they bring on Timmy Chandler, twenty twenty four. Timmy Chandler, and they bring on Timmy Chandler. I didn't even know Timmy Chandler was on Frankfurt right now. I didn't know he was still playing football. <laughs> I was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah. Well, uh, it's yeah, absurd to me to be bringing on Timmy Chandler in this situation. I don't know what's going through the manager's mind. Like, it felt like they gave up, and it's it did feel that way. They and. They just did, yeah. I don't know what else to say other than they looked very stale, yeah, and really didn't offer a lot other than you know they did technically outperform Saint Joe's on XG, mm-hmm. um. So it's not like they got murdered. It was a pretty like balance was pretty even, but there were only a few like real opportunities created, yeah. and Saint Joe's took advantage of more than Frankfurt did, and it was pretty much that simple at the end of the day. Like they were clinical. They had a really good defensive game plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to feel like I'm taking away from St. Joe was because they're great. Talking about how they're poorly, veterans. They're European veterans played, at this point. Right? You know? Yeah. They're vets. Puertas, La Pusen, Amor. These are guys who could easily get into this Frankfurt team, I think. At this point, which at is saying point, something yeah. for a Belgian team. like Right. I mean, it is the best team in Belgium right now. But uh-huh. still, I mean, yeah, is this Frankfurt? We're talking yeah. about this is a team that should be competing to get into the Champions League. Yeah. And are currently sixth in the Bundesliga. Mm-hmm. And like just to go out this way, to kind of whimper your way yeah. out. It felt very it felt very negative from Frankfurt, yeah. which is not something you want as the manager or as a fan. So no. Uh yeah, I definitely not. I definitely haven't been impressed with them for this entire run, mm-hmm. which I've yeah, been they were, vocal about. They were pretty bad in the group stages. They're well. pretty bad in the group stages. And it just yeah, it just wasn't as soon as this draw was made, I think we were we were on high alert here. Because Union Saint Joao are some veterans now. They're European veterans. Yeah, they're a good team. Too. They're a good so. team. And you know, they're you know, well, it's never a sure thing in Belgium because once they have the difference in points between yeah. you and the second place team. But they should just, finally get over the line. They you should. Think, think. They should win their first title in whatever 80 years, whatever it is. Um, let's do let's get a a couple of these uh less entertaining games out of the way yeah, while we're at it here. I won't put in time codes so you can't skip them. Uh, let's start with Zagreb one one Real Betis two one Zag Zagreb on Zagreb on uh, the aggregate after they got that surprise result in Andalusia last week. Um, Bakambu is the first for Betis to put them on the board in the 38th minute, and in the second half, Kaneko responds um, with the 59th minute goal. Um, Betis will absolutely hate this goal that they conceded because it comes from an, a hoof. From Nevistich in the midfield, where they work the ball down the left side, and then a ball across the face of goal ends with the Kaneko tap in, and it's so easy. It's like yeah, it was like you, watching a practice drill. You mentioned it to me. So like yeah. sometimes you watch these uh, teams go, and they just have such an easy like 
designed goal where you're like, how can we, how do teams yeah. not score like eight goals a game? Let's I know. Just do this. Yeah. It was so, like, this is what happened. This, it was, this is why I think it was like a practice drill. Uh, you win an aerial duel, you you do a take on on the wing, and then you square a ball across goal and you yeah. tap in. It was like there's no defenders there. Um, it was like practicing with cones. Um, Betsy's really created very little clear cut opportunities the rest of the game in the second half in particular, it was a really tame performance, much like the Frankfurt one. Um, they didn't look like a desperate team who was behind in general. They just looked stale. And this is the same thing I was thinking about Frankfurt. Betis have looked not themselves to me recently Yeah, in they, all competitions where in past years, like when they lose, it's because they're playing really fun, creative football, high octane stuff. They're pushing, they've been pushing Atletico Sevilla and Sociedad for fourth the last couple of years, even though they haven't gotten it. They also won a Copa del Rey um, for the first time in, you know, 18, 19 years. But they're they're kind of languishing in seventh right now. They've scored 28 goals in 25 league games, which is not like um, the Pellegrini sides we know and love. It's 12th in the league. Their goals scored. Uh, they're also 11th in XG, 14th in shots on target per match. They do have 11 clean sheets, which is an improvement for other years, but they just don't look like a Pellegrini side to me. They look not fun yeah they've struggled in europe under pellegrini too which yeah you know it's been really good in the league until you know recently like you mm -hmm. mentioned but the european performance just haven't been there to match the quality mm -hmm. that we've seen domestically and they haven't been passed around a 16 in the europa league under him despite being in europe every year he's been there right like mm -hmm. but it has it has been their best had... league spell in a while yes under yeah, I'm, him. Not, I'm not trying to say he's done poorly yeah. it's just that like the european performances have lagged yeah. a little behind and this kind of felt like the culmination. But to me, they also career. look they also look off in the league form to me. They're mm -hmm. just not scoring. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's just weird to see. And yeah, they just don't look themselves. Something to monitor if yeah. you're a fan of, of La Liga. Did you um, see the winning goal yet, by the way? The Kaneko one? Yeah, that's what I just okay. described. The I, the one that was like yeah, my a mind practice, got off for that. practice goal. Um, I went on total autopilot for a second. <laughs> also, uh, this is the first Croatian team to beat a Spanish side in Europe in over 40 years. Yeah, which is That's interesting. surprising. I did not even consider that until they said it on the broadcast. Um, let's do uh, Legia nil, three Molda, Molda winning 6-2 on aggregate. This was a very strange tie. I guess we weren't entirely sure what to make of this one because, you know, last week was such a – you know, Weird. such a half-to-half -half game where Molda completely dominated the first, Legia completely dominated the second, and this one played out like Molda's first half, but yeah. without the response from Legia. Yeah. Well, at the start of the second half, Molda scored within two minutes. Molda scored within half. less than two minutes. It was about yeah. sixty-five seconds, and yeah. it it was it was, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I can describe it to you at once. It's really stupid. Yeah, <laughs> you don't need to. I I'm going to Go anyway. They score a minute of the game. And, uh, you know, I feel like at this point you have to have questions about Legia's fortitude here, mm -hmm. their mental fortitude. They're capable of playing really good stuff, but their focus is so bad. Like, yeah. this is a really simple run from the midfield and a cutback across the box. And it's like they didn't start playing. And they like to play with their high line, and that's great. We love high lines. They're fun. But if they don't track any runners or, like, mark anybody – then maybe it's not a good idea at yeah. this stage. Like, I know it's their identity, and they're a lot of fun when they're playing well, like they did in the second half last week, but they're so fucking bad at <laughs> defending sometimes. And it's like, how can you be that? How can you be that mentally not present 
for some of these goals. And then in the 20th, it was Herstad who... More bad defending. Yeah, terrible defending. Shambolic, to quote the commentator. And usually commentators... Yeah, literally said the word ...try to be somewhat reserved when criticizing teams, Mm -hmm. at least in, like, the European competitions, because I feel like sometimes they're worried it's too much. Yeah. Right? And... But... Even he felt the need to call it out. This was terrible defending. Yeah. I, knew... I can't believe how easy it is for Legia to concede uh, advan- like numerical advantages in the box from positions yeah. where it shouldn't happen. I yeah. just don't know where their people are. And uh, you want to kill a, you want to kill a, like an awesome home atmosphere vibe when you need to come back in the game is like concede in the one minute in and then 20 minutes in to go <laughs> to yeah. go behind big in the aggregate. Doesn't make any sense. It was a pretty nasty bat flick from Hishdad. His yeah. dad. I want to give him some credit there. He like flicks it with his heel. That's pretty cool. Uh, and then Legia started second half off. You thought, oh, wow, this could be just like the first leg because mm-hmm. they hit the post in the 46th minute. Mm-hmm. Right? It's Mark Guau who just right into the post. And then Josue who gets the shot blocked. But Peckert, who's arguably the best player in the first half. Yeah. Peckert or the first should leg, have I mean. probably turned in the rebound mm-hmm. of that. He has a pretty open header um, on the after the block pass mm-hmm. that goes very far wide terrible header yeah uh but also a huge that... chance you're about to say the huge chance because there was a peterson yeah, the... makes an outstanding stop too yeah um around that time mm-hmm. or actually that's just before the break um, excuse me yeah um, um so yeah they had a couple of chances yeah, there to especially right after make the it half, interesting they put yeah. on some pressure but then after they got to like the 60th minute it just yeah. that pressure petered out faded away they um, had let it get a little too far. Three goals in 30 minutes. Felt like it wasn't going to happen. And yeah. like, yeah, we're just, they were bad outside of that really bad. little spell. Uh, and it's, I mean, it was disappointing for us who enjoyed watching them play before mm-hmm. when they're at it. Um, but Molda, um, despite their disaster of a second half last week, yeah, have, uh, definitely earned this. They, you know, Molda's also really fun to watch when they're at it. Um, yeah. this was this was kind of like two teams who want to play similar ways i was very disappointed by them in their group stage but yeah you know this looked more promising this looked more promising it looked like you know they might be in for a better yeah um better knockout round how about fenerbahce nil one olympiacos this was a fucking slog of a two of two legs wasn't it olympiacos Fen- you mean Fenerbahce? oh Fenerbahce. i'm sorry yeah, you saw the F yeah, yeah yeah Fenerbahce <laughs> nil two olympiacos on aggregate two one no wins for olympiacos mm-hmm. olympiacos didn't do a whole lot in this tie other than not concede which yeah. is something um penalty goal at the end of the first half for alcabi all she wrote for Fenerbahce, who only managed one shot on target with the with their european campaign on the line um they only managed they managed less than one xg per fatma between the two legs yeah it's um the pretty disappointing effort this one for them i'd say um, Olympiagos hasn't exactly like sparked imagination, but they did enough between the last two legs to go through. Yeah. Obviously deserved it. Yeah. And, Not uh, super high on them going into the round of 16 either. Yeah. El Cabi draws a penalty right before half. And, mm-hmm. uh, it was May who leaves his arm high. It's above his head. It's going to get called every mm-hmm. time nowadays. Uh, but after the penalty, I felt like the second half was unnecessary. Yeah. Like it shouldn't be. Nobody wants yeah. to come back out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's do another boring one. Um, Ludogorets nil one servette and that's the how the tie finishes one goal in the entire tie and it comes in the sixth minute of the second leg because of a bad back pass <laughs> yes uh that kind of sums up the leg congrats to servette though pretty cool for them to be going this far mm-hmm. um i expected more out of Ludogorets in this tie i may even pick them if i recall i saw somebody um, they had some chances but 
So somebody on my comment, can somebody else win the Bulgarian league so that at least when we screw it up next year, it's a different team. <laughs> so which everybody in the comments. Hey, they're like, not hey, in first. We screw up in qualifiers already. They're in second right now by three points, but yeah. they have two games in hand. Yeah. Uh, all so, the comments were just the, the other Bulgarian yeah. team fans being like, we screw it up in the qualifiers. All right. We, we're doing our part. Um, so two or was it Tuesday or Wednesday? Uh, on a, oh, that one was doesn't matter. The, Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, we had Gank and yeah, Maccabi Haifa finishing up their leg. Um, Haifa ends up Wednesday. winning, winning the tie because of a big deflection goal, basically. Yeah. Um, but and hey, congrats was, to them. Uh, That's pretty cool for them too. It was Perot, and as a Concacaf player, we're going to claim it as intentional, and he meant it. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Huge deflection, though. He's the Haitian. Yes. Yeah, we're yeah. friend of the pod. Um, huge, huge deflection. Just one of the biggest deflections you'll ever see. Yeah. Um, and another game that was pretty much the that whose tie was pretty much over. Slovan Bratislava nil one. Sturmgras Sturmgras wins an impressive five one on aggregate. Um, I'd say Slovan started pretty well in this game. You know they had to be the more progressive of the two. Um, they hit the crossbar. Um, fluffed a big chance on a cutback. That could have seen them maybe make this a little bit interesting, but um uh early goal at the other end of the half at the end of the second half uh really put it home. Uh this one's Beerith after some bad defending from Slovan. Yeah, and uh the defender definitely overcommits, but I do want to say yeah. it's touch. Yeah. A volley to pop it around. Mm-hmm. The defender was yeah. very nice. And Sturm, yeah, as we said, Sturm basically wrapped this up in the first leg. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just had to kind of game manage here. Yeah, and then unfortunate red card for Slovan Bratislava at the end of the game. Not, you know, you see a red card at the end of the game, you're always like, oh, God, is that a yeah. malicious thing? Okay. It was just a dog, so. It was a black man. Yes. Yeah. He uh, Literally, his name is Blackman. Yes. That was a joke. I did a joke. Did you like that? Yeah, I was trying to avoid the joke. No, I thought it was funny, though. Um, so I did but it. yeah, he just, uh, he's the last defender and just kind of grabs... Uh, the attacker pulls him down before he gets through on goal. It's one of those you yeah. have to take when you're down that much. But All right, so uh, without further ado, that brings us to the most outlandish game of the day in either competition. Maybe this the most is outlandish. How... We're going to close out our coverage of this leg, of these ties. Uh, Bodo won two IX, IX 4-3 through on aggregate after extra time. Ooh, where do we start here? Uh, I felt Bodo put in a pretty good performance last week, actually. And obviously they're up 2-0 with mm-hmm. just added time to play. They conceded twice after an unlucky red card. Yes. Um, so you know, Ajax rescued the tie. And man, if Bodo just hadn't conceded those, <laughs> you wonder where we'd be today. But um Bodo started racking up chances in the first half. Um I have no idea how they didn't score already. Mm-hmm. And we're just getting started, yeah. especially Hauga's 37th minute chance. It was basically saved po- point blank. This was the start of a day for Ramai, um, yeah. of one of maybe one of the best goalkeeping performances I've seen in a while. Yeah, in terms of clutch saves, um, Bodo had every big chance in the first half except for Berghaus's goal yeah. <laughs> for IX yeah, that put the... them up in the tie for the first time. Yeah, can't leave a player with that much space around the mm-hmm. penalty spot, and kind of reminded me of the Milan goal to Jovic where all the defenders see a player that they deem is the danger spot and just kind of zero in on him when he has the ball and forget to mark the players without the ball. Finish for Berghaus, though. Oh, it's yeah. not like he's not like an easy chance. No, it's the keeper was attuned to him, and mm-hmm. Berghaus had to put that right into the top corner. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it seems like things have – things pick up for Bodo 
uh, to start the half. Um, right after 40th minute, I think, uh, Sutolo clips the heels of Evian and is the last man back. And so he's sent off. And it's probably red. Yeah, I, I don't think the there was a, I don't think, I think Wrench was the closest other player. And I think he's too far away. Yeah, to, I think that's the right call. Cover there. Yeah, Sutolo just clips it. He is the last he man. can't let Evian no. get past you like no, that. No, it's poor. Very poor. Um, and then we start uh, a big sequence of photo absolutely battering Ajax and not scoring. Uh, first one, Groenbeck, back heel, cleared off the line by a sliding Sosa. Um, that's a big chance. Unbelievable play from the left back, but he's about to play a much bigger role than even that, David. Because mm-hmm. literally on the next uh, recycling of play, um, he clears the ball off the line again. <laughs> but... but- what 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 do you what do you think happens? But he uh, uses his hand to clear it off. He the sure line. does, he David. Very clearly uses his hand, just palms the ball away. Referee calls nothing initially, right? Uh, ball eventually goes out of play, and the bar is like, "Hey, you should probably go have a look at this." Uh, yeah, they look at it. It's very clear that he uses his hand to clear it off. He's right on the line, so you're like, "Okay, red card and penalty." Uh. No, no, no. No, 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 no. The goalkeeper uh, very gently makes contact with a Bodo Glint player. And I like how you does... say it. The goalkeeper makes contact yes. rather than the other way around. Yes. Very pointed of you. Yes. I. The referee calls the penalty. Off. Well, I guess he doesn't call penalty in the first place. Anyway, yeah. Nothing to call off. Says no penalty. There's foul on the There's keeper. There's a foul on the keeper. Which, can you even review that? I guess you can if it's, if it's you're related. going to overturn yeah. penalty, it's related. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't call the foul on the keeper originally. Yeah. And doesn't call the handball off the handball super obvious. Yeah. I don't know how he didn't call the, the handball, handball is going to be given. Like he's going to give that penalty and it's going right. to be a red card. There's no way around there. Yeah. But I guess someone in his ear from VAR telling him to take a look at but that he contact. Doesn't, doesn't blow the penalty. No, no, no. But the VAR sends him to look at. Oh, yes. Yeah. And he's going to give the red card and the penalty from the yeah. VAR, but somebody must also be telling him yeah. to look at that contact yeah. I with the goalkeeper. He was going over to look at the goalkeeper. And frankly, I mean, Not we're enough. at a place in football these days where, you know, pretty much any touch of the keeper is given. Keepers are, I mean, yes, they should be protected more than they used to be. Yeah. But this is a you know the the opposite end of that spectrum where i think they're both fairly taking their own vertical space mm-hmm. you know like in basketball you know when you can jump as a defender to contest yeah. if you're straight up you're entitled to your own vertical space mm-hmm. i feel like the soups sorry uh sorry stream i just kicked you uh i feel like that's applicable in soccer too like i feel like if you're jumping straight up without may interfering um in you know into the goalkeeper's space then i don't really think it's fair to be called and i think this was a pretty damning example of that and for and for that to be the reason that this big of an advantage potential advantage was 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 not recognized is Oh, I don't even know. That's like I, yeah, it's that's really tough. I'm sure IX fans will disagree. Not just us, the equalizing but... penalty on the tie but uh, to go up two men yeah, is like, it's... oh man. And I'm sure IX fans will sit there and disagree with us, right? But I don't know. I, this, this one, this was bullshit. he's nowhere even near the ball. Like it was he, when he makes the jump, he's nowhere close. He to wasn't going to hit the ball either he, way. Yeah, he jumps into the defender. I think I was on point when I said the goalkeeper makes contact. And even if he doesn't, the the defender isn't going into him. And I think they're both entitled to the space that they jump into. Yeah. In this case, and uh, as you said. 
I think the ball isn't anywhere near the keeper's hand, and he's not going to get it regardless of whether there's a defender there. There's not a lot of contact. Or not the defender, whether regardless if there's an attacker there or not. There's not much contact. If that had been anywhere on the field, I don't think. No. If it's just two offensive players and if it didn't lead going for the header, you're not calling And if it didn't lead to anything significant like a handball, it it obviously wouldn't have been called. So it's totally bullshit. Um, Ajax somehow survived the sequence from some divine interference. Um, but Bodo carry on, then they literally hit the crossbar twice soon thereafter. <laughs> yeah, before Gronbeck gets two yellows in nine minutes and gets sent off. Mm-hmm. First of which I think is strange and super harsh. Like, I don't first know what was, it's for. I think the first one's for like persistent fouling, maybe accumulation. I'm, yeah, I can't, I don't remember I can't how t- many fouls because the, the foul there. itself is not a yellow. Yeah, but um, then the second one, he's reaching for the ball. Um, and he steps on a foot, and that's a fair yellow, I think. Yeah. It's a it's unlucky, I think, because he's not. I don't think he's aware right, that he's committed two fouls all day. So it so wouldn't have been doesn't make balance. doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe he was... got confused because of all the blonde men. On photos. <laughs> he couldn't tell him apart. Probably the one who's done the other foul. He couldn't tell him apart. Yeah, I think the first yellow is super harsh, and this yeah. is the second time photo have gotten a red in this tie from a first yellow being really harsh. Mm-hmm. The second one, though, second is one fair. Can't really, yeah. can't really argue with it. But I, the referee seems to have forgotten that he gave Gronbeck a card. because He looked, starts walking away. Yeah, it never showed him the red until... Do you think he doesn't give it to somebody them? in the ear? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, feel I think like he, he should. should still give a yellow in that yeah. situation. I think somebody had radioed down to him and been like, oh, that you gave him a yellow card because <laughs> yeah. he has to turn back. And Yeah, so not only have Bodo been stymied at every attempt to get an equalizing goal here but they've also now lost their man advantage and they've lost arguably their best player (laughs) um but credit to them they didn't put their heads down here they continued pounding ix um uh they finally do get their equalizer too and it's hilariously the toughest chance they take all day they had a it's like 25 yards out they had over three and a half xg and the goal that they scored was 0.02 and they didn't get that handball penalty (laughs) So it could have been four and a half. Yeah, this is a, it was Patrick Berg. It's a beautiful hit. Patrick Berg had a nice day. Yeah, he had a great tie. He's one of their best players, yeah. I should say. Uh, him, yeah. Hauga. Yeah, Hauga back played exceptional. He's Jens Petter, Hauga. Yeah, of uh, Milan and Frankfurt recently. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and Grobeck are probably player. their three best players. Yeah, Grobeck's 22 is going to sold for yeah, a okay. chunk of change. In Definitely. The um, yeah, I think Mo, he's like the older center back. I think he's yeah. usually really good. They have a bunch of good players. They're, yeah, but anyway, this is twenty. This is twenty-five yards out. He smashes it bottom corner of the near post. It's probably the most deserved equalizer in the history of the game. Yeah. Um, and they should have had the winner too in the ninety-fifth minute. Hauga has the whole game to aim at, um, in the center of the box, eight yards out. But Ramai makes one of the best saves of the day. Yeah. Scrambles across the goal face of goal, makes another remarkable save, and then Saltness stabs home, but he's ever so slightly offside yeah when i saw it just, live i was like oh clearly offside yeah, and then i saw close. the replay oh it was close close yeah again ix get impossibly lucky yeah um so we go to extra time. yeah after the restart bodo have yet another big chance um this time from the sub zugelie zugelge zugelge nailed it zugelie. absolutely nailed it whatever dude he's through round the keeper but with the ball bouncing a little bit he loses his composure and shanks the shit out of it um it's a little to the left. It's not like he has, he's a little to the left. Mm-hmm. It's not a hundred percent, you know, chance, but he's around the goal. And as the commentator said, Oh my word, how on earth has he missed? missed yeah. Um, He looks like he just loses his composure to me. Like he just, yeah. he tries to rush it 
and he has a little time to steady the ball, but he, but it's, oh man, yeah. out of all their misses, this is maybe the worst. Yeah. But it's, oh man, that was a great way to put it. You know, like, uh, this just... might be their worst miss because he's through, he's past the keeper. We've only himself to, to beat. talk about how did they miss that? Only like... himself to beat. And then because the world is cruel, Ajax finds a winner and it's not even from a shot. Hauga makes a big save actually goes out for a corner and then they don't deal with the in-swinger falls to the far post at Taylor. He swings the ball back in mm-hmm. and instead of working as a cross, it drifts over the head of Haug and goal. And I don't actually think he's trying to shoot there. I think he's trying to put the ball back into the box. Yeah. Um, and yeah, maybe this is the way it curves. Yeah. Like, that looks like he was trying to cross it. And maybe this is harsh, but I also feel like um, Haug should be doing better with it. Like he gets, he feel, feels like it hits his fingers in a place where a goalkeeper would expect him themselves yeah. to push it over. Um, yeah. I think if you asked a goalkeeper, they would be at that level. You'd expect them with that much contact to put it over. He doesn't really like make proper contact with it with his fingers. It kind of bounces off his fingers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that I think he should save that, even though it would be a good save. Um, but then, if the result didn't seem cruel enough, uh, in the hundred twenty minute twentieth minute, uh, Berg hits a free kick that knuckles. Uh, is angling to the top corner, but Ramai makes another outstanding save, um, finger-tipping it just enough onto the crossbar, which is their third crossbar since halftime. Um, and the game's over. It's one of the cruelest results I think you'll ever find in European football yeah. <laughs> based on based on uh, the balance of play in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, 3.58 XG for Bodo, and they didn't get a penalty and red card they should have gotten. Yeah, it's um, that brutal. would have added to that. Absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. They, they had did. so many chances. Yeah, it was like God Himself was against them today or Thursday. Yeah, I know you hate this stat, big chances, because yeah, because it doesn't make any it sense. It doesn't make any sense. But they had eight <laughs> according to yeah, the and it felt so, like more. Yeah, it um, felt like more. They they completed seven hundred and ninety accurate passes. To be fair, they had thirty extra minutes to do that. But you know, man, you, they hit the word work three times. Remi only made six saves, but has to be the player of the match because the saves he made were all outstanding. Oh, they each yeah. of them was of the highest quality yeah. at key moments in the game and he single-handedly has dragged Ajax into the round of 16. This is maybe a player to look at for only 22-year-old mm-hmm. German. What a performance. Um this is one of the situations though where, you know, Bodo went to this game without a real striker. They have Evgen mm-hmm. but he had usually been played behind somebody like Pellegrino or Umbanya, who they both sold, who they sold both of mm-hmm. over January, you just have to think like they'd held on to one of those guys. Yeah, just having a real striker do enough to win this. I game. think if you play replay the, all the chances that both teams had, they like, went like nine, I think ninety eight out of a hundred times. Yeah, Bodo actually go through here. It's one of the wildest things. Um, even though they only won the they won the XG battle by like two point three or something, it feels like way more than that. Yeah. Um completely brutal for them and you have to question the penalty the non call on the penalty because of the foul or the so-called foul on uh on Ramai which is Ramai's like only dicey moment of the entire game yeah. uh and I don't know I don't know how they lost that <laughs> I I think they'll be thinking about that for a long time oh yeah because it's not so easy to go to a round of 16 especially when you draw a team like Ajax mm-hmm. even though Ajax kind of sucks this year yeah. um but man I don't know what else to say you have anything yeah, else it's... smart to say not anything. Well, I guess the other thing we should note is that Brian Brobby came Brobby. off with an injury. I had don't know if he played this weekend for Ajax. They were playing Odd Zed. So I haven't looked to see how serious it is. But mm-hmm. 
if he's out, that could be a very big blow for Ajax. He's, you know, the star striker, even though he's had some issues this year in finishing, he's still one of the key players. So, all right. So that's uh, that wraps up our coverage of all of the round of 24 slash knockout playoff round playoff knockouts. Yeah. So we got to talk about the draw. So now let's talk about the draws briefly. Um, Got some fun ones. Let's move back to the Europa League. Yeah. Um, and uh, first of all, a little drum roll for me. Actually, don't do it because it'll be bad uh, for be the audio. Terrible on audio. Uh, sporting, having gone through um, in the round of 24, will face first place in the group stage, Atalanta. Ugh, gross. Sporting Atalanta. That's a good one. Yeah, but we've already seen it twice this year. God damn, you're right. We have. Yeah, and it's not the only time we'll have seen two teams that played in the group stage. Because Leverkusen drew Karbach. They sure did. And Rangers drew Benfica. That's, no, West Ham Freiburg. West Ham Freiburg. And you have to wonder, like, why is this allowed? It, I know. It feels really easy at this round to still block it off. You have teams that are playing their first knockout games. And they're playing a team that they already beat twice. Yeah. It's just, Multiple teams. Yeah. it's Leverkusen and West Ham both beat Karabag and Freiburg respectively really twice. Funny. And Atalanta did a win and draw, right? I think so. Yeah. And it's a strange place, too, where, like, now you look at it and you're like, I mean, Karabag, that sucks for them because yeah, Leverkusen, <laughs> certainly Leverkusen is the best form in Europe this year. They haven't lost a single time yeah. in any competition. I think they're four draws, too, and everything else is a win. Yeah, and Karabag, you know, after this very exciting, you know, if they get most of other teams, you'd maybe say, oh, that's a tough draw for that team. And I wouldn't want to play Karabag. Not a chance against Leverkusen. Yeah. Um. But Freiburg, I think, better place than they were um, in the fall a little bit. Yeah, and West Ham in a much worse place than they were recently. Yeah, They're in a bad spell of form. People are mad yeah. at Moyes. Mm-hmm. I think Freiburg has a much better chance. I think Sporting has a chance against Atalanta, even though I wouldn't consider them the favorites. No, Atalanta ha- are in a better place now than they were in the group stage. Atalanta is a more talented team, but uh, I'd give Sporting a chance. Yeah, Sporting are a good enough team that you don't want to count them out. Um, um, some other draws. Um, another team that we've loved in the last round, Sparta Prague, gets the other toughest tie possible, yeah. uh, which is Liverpool. Bummer that them and Karabag, who are kind of our underdog darlings here, um, who also play pretty good stuff, are playing the two best teams in the tournament. That kind of sucks. And if UEFA couldn't get any happier, mm-hmm. probably the biggest team of the knockout playoff rounds, mm-hmm. Milan, they drew the smallest team that had a bye. Yeah, and Slavia Prague. So UEFA's that was the best possible draw they could have gotten. UEFA's gonna be very happy uh, with that as the three, yeah. probably the three biggest brands mm-hmm. are all in relatively yeah. good place to go through. One tie I'm not totally sure what to do with Marseille and Villarreal. Yep. Villarreal is a mess this year, and uh, yeah, Villarreal hasn't been great. <laughs> That's no surprise to anyone. They were fighting with relegation for a while. Pretty much out of that, but definitely look like they're going to finish bottom half of the table. Certainly out of the European spots, which would be the first time in a minute. Yeah, um, Marseille have been in awful form. They're onto their third manager right now. Mm-hmm. And They're but, down in ninth. They could get yeah. passed by Lyon. So both of these teams could actually not be in Europe next year. Yeah. And in fact, it's looking likely, very likely that at least one of them won't be. Yeah, I mean, and Marseille possibly both. currently six points off of Europe. Yeah, so, so this is a... I mean, neither of these teams has probably got the form to win this tournament. But, you know, this money could be useful in doing a little mini rebuild. Yeah. So this is a tie I don't really know what to do with. Lord knows who's going to win. I think, you know, the best 
Marseille have the best goal scorer, so I'd probably lightly favor them. Yeah. Um, one that I think is kind of interesting, Benfica Rangers. We haven't seen Rangers in a while. Um, Rangers have been hang just you know hanging out in Scotland doing their Scottish things. Um, they they still trail. Uh, oh no, they don't. They've just passed Celtic. Excuse me. Uh, in the league for the first time. Um, oh really? Yeah. Uh, they that. just went two points clear. They're on really good form. Um, they've only conceded uh 13 goals the entire league season. So um, and we were pretty impressed with them in the in the group stage. So um, you know, Benfica should be favored probably, but I think this will be a pretty even tie. Um, and then perhaps the most exciting of all the draws, just for the vibes. Yeah. Roma and Brighton, the Deserby Derby. <laughs> maybe, maybe replacing De Rossi at the end of the year. No, probably not. Probably not. But Brighton's probably got more be... money than Roma now. <laughs> that would be an interesting one. I think this is a nice clash of styles. Although obviously De Rossi wants to play a little more expansive. Yeah. Um. This is more just can like get possession of the ball. In that yeah. It's going to be crucial. Yeah. I mean, I think Brighton will have more possession, but I do. But I. The question is whether we've seen recently. You know, a team like Roma is kind of with the strength of Roma is kind of Brighton's kryptonite a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um. So they're going to have to overcome those challenges here. Um, yeah, and I think like going for a team like Brighton being in their first European journey like this to go to somewhere like the Olympico is pretty cool. And for a team that's like as much prestige as Roma going to like little old Brighton is kind of fun. Yeah, a little beach trip. Uh, A little beach trip. I think this is just fun vibes. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't really know what to expect. I think it'll be, you know, on a knife's edge here. Um, yeah, this seems like a very... I don't want to say toss-up kind because mm-hmm. I do think Roma are a more talented team, mm-hmm. but I don't know I about like, talented. I think so they definitely have the better. Brighton, they have you know the bigger stars for sure. Yeah, Brighton Lukaku don't have a, and Dybala, but even on the back end, and Dybala, yeah, I think guy like Pellegrini, Spinazzola, like Mancini, Ansufati, Ansufati though, <laughs> they're guys that you know, would be pretty competitive yeah. against you definitely put roma roma the experience obviously yeah. favors roma they've been in yeah. two finals in a row but the manager situation seems to very heavily favor brighton mm-hmm. and they just brighton have been known to beat up some not beat up but they've scalped a lot of teams over the yeah. last two years so. so i just have no idea what's going to happen here i think this one is be really interesting to watch um especially huge for brighton though is that they get that second leg at home right because mm-hmm um that could be the decider so it could be because roma is used to getting these second legs at home they always seem to draw at home from well usually they're the team that has the bye right so well no but like after the round of 16 minutes yeah so it's like uh they did have to go away at leverkusen second leg last year but they but having that home advantage is really big for them um so that could be an advantage but either way gonna be one of the more fun ties to watch for Mm -hmm. uh should we do conference league yeah of course where do you want to start? I you want to start with the marquee or end with the marquee? Let's end with the marquee. Okay. I don't know which one you're highlighting as the marquee. I think I think there's an with... obvious one. I probably so let's at go... least from name. Right? Yeah, let's start. Yeah. Let's, let's start with Eastern Europe. Eastern right? Europe. I love Eastern a... Europe. Some of the draws were very Eastern European focused. You know, Olympiacos going east of Europe, and they're going to be drawn against Maccabi Tel Aviv. Well, uh, Zagreb get Pauk, so you know, keeping it a little Balkan there. Keeping it bulking. And then Servette and Pilsen, more Central Europe, I guess. But mm-hmm. they get drawn together. And Saint yeah, right next door. Benabacha. So mm-hmm. they'll try to do a little better than their city mates Galatasaray did. And that's a fun one. Um, another one where I'm like, hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Saint Joe was. I don't. I don't yeah. hate them there. No. Um. Obviously, Fenerbahce has a lot of like stars as well. Mm-hmm. Um. But Saint Joe will get through there. I mean, they and possibly probably has a stronger squad on paper than Frankfurt does right yeah. now. So it might be a tougher one. Also, you know, crazy atmosphere in Istanbul all the time for those teams. This but, is going to be one of the draws where either of these teams can make a little bit of a run if yeah. they get through this. this I would be- also feel like St. Joe's. I'd be like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> really? We really? get Frankfurt and Fenerbahce back-to-back where we, we could have gotten fucking Maccabi Haifa, you know? Yeah. Or Tel Aviv. They could have gotten Or sorry, Tel Aviv, yeah. not Haifa. My bad. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean, though? I'm like, damn. Yeah. Um. But since you uh, mentioned Haifa, yeah, they got Fiorentina. Yeah, that's a tough one. Be very upset about that. <laughs> that's a tough one. Uh, what else do we have? Sturm Graz and Lille. I think that could be one of the most fun ones. Might be one of the most fun. Yeah, I don't hate Sturm Graz there. Uh, Sturm Graz definitely has a chance in that. Molde and Brugge will be playing up in Northern Europe. Mm-hmm. That's a good, that's a decent matchup too of mm-hmm. entertaining teams. Yeah, with Brugge probably the favorite. If you're really good at the process of elimination, you might have figured out the last matchup. Mm-hmm. It's Max mentioned it's a marquee one. Definitely is on name on paper. Oh, absolutely. In form for club size, in terms of form, yeah. maybe not. Uh, Ajax will be taking on Aston Villa. And Aston who, Villa. You know, it's weird to say like, are Villa really happy that they drew Ajax? No, it's like. <laughs> I shouldn't be, but also they're better than Ajax right now. But that's what I mean. It's like, yeah, they're a lot better than Ajax. Are I mean, right they now. could have gotten Sorbet, so they shouldn't be happy. Yeah. Or Haifa, you know? Yeah. Uh, Ajax are, I mean, on form, I'm just maybe the third best, te- best team that they, they could have drawn, right? St. Joao. They put St. Joao's and Sturmgras on form. Mm-hmm. I'd rather play Ajax than them. Also, because Ajax, despite, you I'd know. I'd rather play Ajax than Zagreb, too. Because, like, yeah. I feel like you never know. Oh, the Zagreb's like not that Bekovic great this year, though. Who can yeah. score out of nothing? Yeah, and... I haven't seen a lot from Zagreb that That's would make fair. me scared of them. I actually think Pauk is. I'd like pick yeah, Pauk in that tie. Have drawn Pauk, so. Yeah, no, but I'm saying I'd pick Pauk in that tie with Zagreb. I would also pick Pauk over Ajax, though. Right Maybe, now. yeah. Ajax just can be so haphazard in the back. Yeah, they like, they like. I don't know. It's I think very tough. I think Villa can score a lot of goals on them. Yeah. Um, they got they gotta win the Ajax gotta win the first leg at home. But things have really opened up for Villa and Fiorentina. Mm. I feel like if, which means that things have opened up for everyone else, because if they draw each other suddenly, they won't. In like the quarters, UEFA won't. They won't draw each other. The semis, you know, maybe you in the semis games instead of one. Yeah, uh, UEFA yeah. definitely won't draw them in the quarter. The I'd be shocked if they drew in the quarterfinals. Yeah, shocked. You're right. Suddenly, the pathway is open for a lot of other teams, though. Yeah, I think right? the winner of Sturmgras and Lille will feel like they could actually win this thing. Feel the Fenerbahce Saint Joas will feel the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Bruga will. I think that like they have enough talent to mm-hmm. win it. Uh, yeah, they're not playing. This is definitely long, but... definitely a deeper pool we had at this stage than last year, where it seemed pretty obvious who would end up in the final, mm-hmm. um, save for an upsetter or two. Yeah, um, we have oh. a lot of talent in the Conference League knockouts right now, which is fun for us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah, then, uh, I guess we should just should be a really competitive quarterfinals. Yeah, I think we just end with a little update on the coefficient races because Love we're that. getting to the end part of the season where things are really starting to take shape. And the top two to get that extra Champions League spot in the reworked league phase next year, uh, Italy have developed a pretty big lead right now. They have all their teams left, all seven of them are still alive, so they'll be very happy mm. right now. Looks like they should get it. Uh, Germany and England are both in striking distance. Germany, the losing Frankfurt out of the Conference League is going to really hurt. Uh, they're also they're down to six teams now, I believe. Mm. And so, or no, maybe five. They're down to five now. Um, yeah, they're down to five out of seven. England with six out of eight, but with you know 
arguably the favorite in all three competitions between mm. City, Liverpool, and Aston Villa. Yeah, at least one of the primary yeah, favorites. One of the top. One of the two favorites. Each of those competitions. Yeah, you know, they're obviously going to be very confident. Uh, their teams are very high quality, but they have to. They're already almost two full points behind Italy, mm. who are first. Um, they're about 0.75 behind Germany, so they'll need the Germans to slip up if they're going to pass them. But I do think at the end of the day, it'll likely be Italy and England, maybe. Most likely. If Italy really screw up, like if Roma and Milan both go out in the next – Roma, Milan, and Atalanta all go out in the next round, which is possible. They'll if, And if Madrid wins England. the Champions League, yeah. maybe. Well, or you mean like Bayern – if Bayern overturn Lazio and go yeah. and win. Spain's out at this You point. think so? Oh, they're so far, they're behind. So far behind. Five out of eight yeah. teams, right? yeah. Um, yeah, Spain and France, fourth and fifth, both of them. And Sevilla isn't in the Europa League. No, so they can't win it. <laughs> they can't win it. Yeah. Um, they can still find a way. And Spain, no team in the Conference League either. It's a huge loss. Yeah, that's true. Um, but Conference League's a nice way. I feel like Conference League coefficient weighted a little too high. Like, yeah. it shouldn't count for as much, right? Yeah, but hey, if it helps the Italian League, I am for it. <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. Um, and then the battle for fifth. France is starting to get a little bit of separation on the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Outperforming by four points almost this year. Would be yeah. really big for Germany if Dortmund can beat PSV. Yes, because Dortmund is are is looking. I mean, they're lucky Leipzig Kane buried Leipzig late. Otherwise, they'd be back into fifth. But they're only one point clear of Leipzig in fourth, mm-hmm. way off the top two. Um, yeah, yeah. And, so they're gonna uh, need that result. They're gonna need. Um, I mean, Freiburg. I think Terzic is gonna get kicked out at the end of the year. Yes. I kind of feel like that. It's too. it's not good vibes there right now. I think he's co- he's run his course. Yeah, he's also he doesn't play the Dortmund way. You know, he's too defensive, too pragmatic. He's... Um, Leverkusen could win the Europa League, but Freiburg have a tough draw against them. A team that's already beat them twice. Mm-hmm. And Germans... Freiburg won't be a favorite. I mean, no. Freiburg getting the quarterfinals would be nice for them. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the Germans probably won't feel too optimistic about their chances of catching up to Italy, or passing. Or uh, yeah. staying ahead of they England, really but... need they really need Bayern to beat Lazio, <laughs> yeah, and they really need Leverkusen to win the Europa League, yeah. Those um, are their best and now with Frankfurt out, best pathways, very yeah. difficult. Um, top five though, Netherlands are still within striking distance of France. So if PSV can beat Dortmund, and if Ajax can find a way past Aston Villa and maybe yeah, go off, seems unlikely, pick up form somehow, seems very unlikely. France should be top five, should get that fourth spot. Mm-hmm. Then the top 12 is another key one. Conference League spot becomes a way for league spot. Switzerland and Austria are literally neck and neck, right? Both with one team left. Um, Not because they're next to each other. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Switzerland is one draw ahead of Austria right now. Wow. So if Sturm Graz manages a draw with Lille and Servette mm-hmm. can't get any results, mm-hmm. suddenly Austria jumps. So that's a, you know, if you follow either of those leagues, that's something to keep an eye on. There's Drama. The competition there. And then top 15, Ukraine and Serbia had awful, awful seasons, mm. which opened up spots for teams. Serbia only got 1.4 coefficient points. Really? Yeah. They, like, normally get, like, six or seven. <laughs> like, mm. they had nine trying to think two who years is, ago. Who, who is um, – who who got fucked up in, from Serbia this year? Jovena Svetsta. Uh, anything. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess. Yeah, they usually just carry the load for them. Yeah. And Ukraine had a bad no year. No red star magic. No. So Norway and Denmark are there right now, but Israel and Greece are definitely in striking distance. And Israel with two teams alive. Yeah, and this is the round of sixteen. And some for a lot of these teams will be the last opportunity to get points. Yeah, because most of them will get knocked out yeah. around here. So to get anyone to the quarterfinals is like a huge win. So yeah, look out Tel-Aviv, for like Molda and that Bruga tie. Yeah. 
Yeah. Maccabi Tel Aviv's Olympiacos is huge for yeah. maybe sneaking into yeah, two Israeli teams. Getting the extra year yeah, getting stuff. any result in either of those yeah. four games. I mean, hype of beating Fiorentina at home would be very Fiorentina, right? So yeah, it would. Lose the hype at home and then yeah, yeah about like yeah. seven. Yeah. Uh, but so maybe they're not going to be playing at home. But or, oh yeah, that's a good yeah. point. So maybe that helps Fiorentina. Yeah. But so, yeah, hi, uh, Tel Aviv could yeah. get a result against Olympiacos for sure. Mm-hmm. And if they do that and Molda lose to Bruga suddenly, you know, Israel gets an extra European spot, which would be really big for them. But yeah, so that kind of wraps up. All the other coefficient races are either done and dust are done and dusted because they're small leagues and they went out in qualifiers or group stages. Mm-hmm. So yeah, keep an eye out on the Olympiacos Tel Aviv one because we could have two Israeli teams in the Champions League group stage next year. Ooh la la! Should be just like I don't remember the last many? time that's happened. <laughs> just be too many. Yeah, I won't remember yeah. the last time that's happened. We'll either have two Norwegian or two Israelis in all likelihood. Yeah. All right. So. Well. Yeah, that's that kind of wraps it up for us. Yeah, yeah, that was a long one. It was. Thanks for sticking with us. A lot of good stuff to cover. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Yeah, um, we have a week off. We got a week off, and then we're back in for round of sixteen. This is when we really get into it, mm-hmm. boys and girls. Yeah. All right. Uh, as we're about to sign off here, I'm uh cheers. searching my mind for who I want to cheers for, and I think I have an idea for you. Okay. Who? How about Sparta Prague's manager? Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally down for that. He's yeah. I beyond like. They're yeah. excellent results. They right. are four points clear of Slavia in first place in the league right now with a plus 40 goal difference in 22 league games. Uh, they're the team of the moment right now. Yeah. And they got the toughest draw, so we probably won't be talking about them again. So For those of you who don't know Sparta Prague's manager offhand, as Max and I so clearly do, and we did not have this research at all, we just know him. Uh, it's Brian Priska. 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 I don't know, Priska, Danish. something like that. Uh, so from the as we said earlier from the Michelin school of uh, of footballing yes uh, so that's you know good for him yeah cheers to him cheers yeah cheers we'll, Brian we'll see you later. Bye.